Well, good evening. Someone said you can either get mad or get glad. And when God speaks to your heart, you ought to get glad. I'm glad he cares enough about us to speak to us individually, and certainly that's what I pray he would do in my life each and every time. Someone said something about, you know, boy, I really needed that. I said, you got to remember when the preacher's preaching, you know, there's like three or four fingers pointing back at him, and I needed as much as anyone. Hey, let me say, by the way, it's been just a privilege and such a joy to be with you and your kindness to us. And, and let me just say, whoever designed and did the work over there at the guest house, salute. I mean, you, that is wonderful. I understand you've been working like ants over there trying to get it all put together in the, just a short time, but it turned out wonderful. If you haven't had a chance to see it yet, when don't come quite yet, but <laughs> we've messed it up pretty good. <laughs> but uh, take a look at it. I mean, it's you have every reason to be very proud of it, and uh, it, it's a blessing. So thank you, thank you. And then uh, if I seem a little tired tonight, <laughs> we were over at the pastors today with the holders. And uh, I am worn out. <laughs> we laughed and laughed and laughed. Uh, the Bible talks about laughter doeth good like a medicine. I got an overdose today. <laughs> and it was a blessing. Uh, my wife said something to me about I should have said, uh, should have said to uh, all of them there today that, uh, I've been asked over the years, I have three daughters, and uh, all of them love the Lord, serving the Lord. My grandkids are all, i got seven grandkids, they're all saved and serving the Lord. And I've had pastor friends, I'm, I'm sorry to say, I've had pastors and church workers say to me, you know, my, my kids aren't serving the Lord, and so what do you attribute to the success that you've had in raising your kids and they serve the Lord as they do? And I said, well, in the physical sense, I, I would <laughs> yield to my wife. Uh, we homeschooled. Our girls were with her all the time. And anything that they really turned out to be, I think, is a real credit to her. But then I said, but I would say one of the things we purpose to do as a couple, uh, have you ever been around sour people? And not just sour people. There, there are sour Christians, just old bitter, you know. They walk around on their lower lip. I mean, it's pathetic. <laughs> and I've purposed to avoid those kind of people like a plague because they are a plague. And it's, that kind of attitude is infectious. And we're supposed to have the gratitude attitude. And uh, come on, we're more than conquerors. And we have the abundant life the Lord's given to us. Tell your face. Amen. Uh, but anyway, I, I've purposed, our girls were around preachers and missionaries and Christian people that love the Lord and served and had a good time doing so. And I mean, they think it's a blessing to be around God's people and to do God's work, because it is. Amen. I said it is. Yes. Yeah. And uh, when we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. It's, good. it's a good thing. You know? But uh, God deliver us. And if you suffer from this, I'm telling you, it's a sin, really. You go around feeling sorry for yourself all the time, and life is miserable, and 
you need a good spiritual shot in the arm. You need some help. Come on. God's better than that. And come on, he's called us to abundant life, and it's a blessing. So I'll date myself. So let me go back. You remember the old uh, cartoon and newspaper cartoon strip, Little Abner? That <laughs> goes way back. <laughs> there was this guy on there. Everywhere he went, there was a rain cloud over him. You know, <laughs> didn't matter where he went. It was just a rain. It's miserable life. You know, some people live like that. Okay, I, I got to get away from all that. But anyway, yeah, it's a joy. Come on, the joy of the Lord is your strength, and and so we need to rejoice. in, in God is good. God is good. Uh, and then let me say too. I join in with a great appreciation for our veterans, and thank you for recognizing them tonight. That's right to do. I, too, uh, Brother Brooks, as you know, pastor in a military community off at Air Force Base. Stratcom is our town, and I never was around the military that much growing up. My dad served in World War II. My uncle was airborne over Normandy on D-Day, kind of like heard about your grandpa, couldn't get him to talk about it. Uh, all I would hear, and you, you would hear it from that generation, we did what we had to do. That was pretty much what Uncle Leo would tell me. I'd say, Uncle Leo, when you die, you're a history book. Come on, tell me some things about it. We just did what we had to do. <laughs> and boy, did they do the job. Yeah. Amen. And we are debtors. Amen, sir. We are debtors. And that heritage lives on. Thank God for our military today standing. Come on, we're meeting tonight because someone's standing at, on attention and, and on the front lines for us tonight. And uh, freedom is not free. Yeah. But I once went to Bellevue there and started the church and was around the military then for, now I have been 44 years and pastored them 41 years. And I'll tell you what, I developed a great appreciation and uh, love for the military families. And uh, it's no wonder the Apostle Paul talked about being a good soldier. He made the parallel, you know. Of course, he was chained to a lot of them. He got to know them pretty well, too. And uh, <laughs> I was, it's going to be, must have been interesting when he was chained to these Roman soldiers. And, you know, it was a changing of the guard. Your time's up, and so you're leaving. <laughs> One going in to get chained to him. Boy, or boy, are you in for an experience? <laughs> yeah, this guy is something. You know, I wonder how many of those Roman soldiers and all are in heaven today because of Paul. But anyway, that that life lends itself so well to the Christian life because I mean, the chain of command, having a vision, knowing the goal, and the you know. The mission, I mean, you can just get down the line. Sacrifice, of course. And all of that is the military life. Come on, you're in the army now. We're in the Lord's army. Uh, I've been asked from time to time, you been in the military? I said, yeah, the Lord's army. (laughs) And there's so much similarity there. Sacrifice is involved. Chain of command is involved. There's a mission. Come on. I mean, you go down the line. It's all right there. So thank you, men and women that have served and are serving. And uh, I mean it sincerely. Thank you. God bless you. (laughs) And, uh, well, I'll just say in passing, but don't get me going. I'm about up to here with 
professional sports. Sorry, <laughs> overpaid, underworked, spoiled brats. <laughs> you know, oh boy, I tell you, when they don't come out, won't won't stand up for the national anthem like we just did. If, if I were an owner, that's the end of them. You get a whole new team. Yes, sir. That, you're done, bud. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, don't get me going. Don't get. Me. <laughs> Might start. <laughs> <laughs> Might start preaching here in a minute. All right. Well, again, but thank you, my wife and family, my and my daughter, my middle daughter, and two grandsons with us this week. It's it's just been a joy, and we're not done. Amen. We got we got some left. Praise the Lord. But uh, and uh, brother Nathan, you've been a blessing. And I tell you, it spoke to my heart. Really, really been a joy. All right, if you have your Bibles, and I trust you do, turn to the book of Colossians, book of Colossians chapter 1, and if you're capable, able, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1 and uh, verse 1, Paul, man, I love that guy. Got to throw this in. I, uh, growing up, I had two favorite Bible characters, uh, Joseph in Egypt. I still, uh, you, you cannot conjure up. The greatest storytellers and movie makers could never conjure up a story like Joseph. And it's a true story. And I never read, I mean, I can get choked up just thinking about it. You know, that story when he reveals himself to his brothers and, Lord Jesus is going to reveal himself to his, his nation one day. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I love Joseph, and that was my favorite Bible character. And Job, I love Job. But I've heard it from preachers, uh, Brother Brooks, and I think you'll chime in here. Uh, preachers and missionaries, they'll all say, yeah, but I'll tell you, my favorite Bible character is Paul. Because we identify so much with him. And there is so much, of course, to glean from him, and we do. Come on, half the New Testament. (laughs) Anyway, threw that in for free. Paul, (laughs) an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, yes, sir, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the folks that are here. What a blessing it is to look out and see this house full. And uh, testimony, Lord, to your work in people's hearts and lives and their desire to be together around the Word of God in the house of God. And so I pray that our coming tonight would not be in vain. It would not just be some academic exercise, but rather, Lord, again, our heart is here. Our heart is open. And now receptive, Lord, 
as the <clears throat> prophets and many in the scripture would have said, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. I trust that's our attitude tonight. And I pray you'd help me in that way. I, I, I want, Lord, just to simply be your instrument, uh, a mouthpiece, so to speak, that you would speak through as you speak through me. I know you also then will speak to me. And so, Father, I, I'm attuned as well. And so I ask that you'd meet together with us now and again that your accomplishment would be that which we experience as you do your work in our midst. And we'll praise you for it even now. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> thank you. You may be seated. He says in verse 4, Since we heard of your faith, talking about the church there in Colossae, and of the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, uh, <clears throat> whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is coming to you as it is in all the world. It's amazing what all was accomplished in about the first 30 to 40 years after the Lord ascended back into glory. He empowered, of course, those believers there in Jerusalem. And from there, we know, uh, touched a little on it in the last couple of days, but they weren't fully digesting or comprehending all that Jesus meant when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the uttermost part. And I think for the most part, those Jewish disciples, apostles, kind of received that as to all the Jews for the uttermost part of the earth. <clears throat> But he meant us Gentiles too. <laughs> and again, an appreciation for the Apostle Paul is he comprehended that, had a grasp on it way before the rest of them did. And, uh, <clears throat> but then God, of course, as he works and accomplishes his will, sometimes uh, in spite of us, uh, they were kind of just staying around Jerusalem there. And so the Lord allowed some persecution to come and scatter them. And the Bible gives the account they went everywhere teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. And of course, the Apostle Paul kind of leading the charge for us Gentiles as he took it west, began to plant those churches in Asia Minor. And then, of course, as God opened the door, uh, he moved into Europe as he crossed from Troas there into Macedonia. And I think I said the other night, the gospel's been going west ever since. <laughs> Someone said when it gets all the way around, you know, it's gone into Europe, then it crossed the Atlantic uh, into North America and uh, the Americas, and then now it's crossed the Pacific, you know, Philippines, Japan. There's some things going on in China you don't even know about. I mean, there's a great movement of Christianity in some of the northern provinces of China. Uh, moving on west. Someone said when it gets back to Jerusalem, we're out of here. <laughs> I don't know if that's so or not. But all that to say, what was being accomplished in that day is incredible. What we know as Western civilization, you take that in school? They used to teach it in school. Western civilization, you know what that is? It's Christianity. Western civ is a result of the gospel going west and changing the Western world. Okay? So all that to say, in fact, we know some of the churches... Uh, we have a record of in the Word of God, but there's a whole lot more record. We may not be paying attention. There are 34 churches mentioned in the New Testament that were planted and active 
at the time of the Apostle Paul as he's writing even here to Colossae. Let me just, for the record here, <clears throat> this is Friday night. <laughs> Antioch of Pisidia in Acts 13, Antioch of Syria in Acts 11, Athens in Acts 17. We're talking about places where there were churches, okay? Listen to this, Babylon <laughs> in 1 Peter chapter 5, Berea in Acts 17, Caesarea in Acts 10, Centria in Romans 16, Colossae here, of course, in the book of Colossians, Corinth in Acts 18, Crete in Titus 1.5, uh, Cyrene in Acts 11, Damascus in Acts 9, Derby in Acts 14, Ephesus in Acts 18, Hierapolis in Colossians 4, Iconium in Acts 14, Jerusalem, of course, in Acts 2, Joppa in Acts 9, Laodicea in Colossians 2, Lydda in Acts 9, Lystra in Acts 14, Pergamus in Revelation 1, Philadelphia in Revelation, uh, I'm sorry, Revelation 2, uh, Philippi in Philippians 1, uh, Pitu, I can't ever pronounce this, Pituoli, Pituoli in Acts 28, Rome, churches in Rome. Rome was a great metropolitan. There were churches, house churches all over the city in, Ro in Romans chapter 1. Sardis in Revelation. Uh, Acts uh, speaks, Acts 9 speaks of Saron. Uh, Smyrna in Revelation. Uh, Tarsus in Acts chapter 9. Thessalonica in Acts 17. Thyatira in Revelation. Troas in Acts 20. And Tyre in Acts 21. I mean churches everywhere. The Apostle Paul was a church man. Come on, he's a church planter. The answer for the need of this dispensation, come on, it's called the church age for heaven's sake. The age of grace is the age of the church. It's the time that God has established for this institution to make the difference in the whole world that it's supposed to make. And Paul gave mention later on that in his day the, the, the gospel had gone to the whole world. They didn't have all the resources and the attributes. <laughs> Uh, abilities that we have today with technology and transportation and all things. But in their day, in the known world, the gospel had gone everywhere. Well, how'd that happen? <laughs> Christians were responsible in their place, and those churches were doing the job of the Great Commission. That's what we're commissioned uh, to do. <clears throat> Paul gives this testimony <clears throat> of his own ministry and life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you don't have to turn there, but in verses 24 to 28, he said this. Of course, he's talking about, talking about sacrifice in his own life. He said, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Twice, or thrice rather, was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Now listen to this. Beside those things that are without, he's talking about physical hardship, if you will, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. <laughs> I say again, the Apostle Paul was a church man. Now, I thank God for the gospel, and Paul did too. He said, some preach Christ of contention. I rejoice Christ is preached, he said. He's not subscribing to it. He's not recommending that manner or that means. But he said, I'm just glad the gospel's preached. There are many different ways in which the gospel is being communicated and preached. 
you got the navigators and, you know, the campus crusade, and you got all kinds of different things. Okay, people get saved. I know they do. Thank God you don't have to be in church to be saved. Somebody say amen. amen. But come on, you want to do it God's way? then you're going to be working through the ministry of the institution he established to carry out the Father's business. Yeah. And that's the church. Okay. I'm a churchman. One of my ponies, what do they call it, hobby horses, is the church institution. And I, I, can, I can go on that one. Hey, come on, so could Jesus. He loved the church. He gave himself for it. Come on. The church is God's institution to carry out his business. Come on. What's going on here tonight is more important than anything else in the whole city of Rapid City, South Dakota. This is the most important business right here. It's the Lord's business, the Father's business. Amen. And so this is important business. This is where God's people that are members of this church ought to be tonight. Amen. Amen. So aren't you glad you can say amen? You're here. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, again, you always have some, because of circumstances beyond their control, they're not able to be here. They would be here otherwise. I understand that. But there are some of God's people. I, I've, I was born, but I wasn't born yesterday. Hello. I'm sure there are members of Liberty Baptist Tabernacle that could be here tonight who are not here tonight. They should be. They should want to be. It ought to be, yeah. It's the Lord's business. This is top of the list, important stuff here. Okay. I said again, I'm a, I'm a churchman. I was saved in church. <clears throat> I was discipled in church. Um, I was called to preach at a church camp, 16 years of age, old Sagmont Baptist Youth Camp in Joplin, Missouri. Um, I was trained in a church school. College, Baptist Bible College, pastors put together the school. I, uh, God allowed me, gave me the privilege to plant a church 44 years ago. And I got to pastor that church for 41 years. Gave my life to it as best I knew how. I love the church. We're talking, come on the most important business, if you want to call it that, in the world. <clears throat> in this passage, in fact, in this letter, you could say, the Apostle Paul speaks to the two things that I call <clears throat> his things. <laughs> if you want to talk about something that kind of characterizes the ministry or even the person of the Apostle Paul, it would be two things that he mentions in this, in this letter. First one is, come on, we know him as the, the apostle of grace. Salvation by grace through faith. Plus or minus nothing. And uh, again, I, I, I said it the other night, I say it all the time, the apostle Paul went to bat for us. Acts 15 was an important uh, convocation. <laughs> Paul came back from his first missionary journey and there was some some concern about whether that church in Jerusalem wanted to identify with Paul's ministry. And uh, he made it very plain, because the Lord had made it very plain to him, of who God intended when he said again to the uttermost part of the earth. And so uh, they came to grips with the fact that uh, 
we didn't have to keep any of the law. We didn't have to be circumcised. We didn't have to have all that stuff. Come on, you're saved by grace through faith, period. Amen. And so the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> that was one of his things. One of the great passages in the Word of God is Ephesians, you know, uh, Ephesians, drawing a blank. Uh, or by grace are you saved? Help me here. 2, 8, and 9, yeah. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. <clears throat> I told you I was tired. Anyway, <laughs> for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Right. It's the gift of God, amen. not of works. Somebody say amen. 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 Lest anyone should boast, yeah. So again, Paul, one of his things, of course, was to stand strong for salvation by grace through faith. By, by grace through faith. And then, of course, uh, what I've already spoken to, the church institution, he gave himself to the cause of planting churches. Come on, to, to, to fulfill the Great Commission. You've got to plant a church. Again, I'm thankful. I know folks have made, when the, when the Iron Curtain fell and people were able to go into the Eastern Europe there, and people would go in by the droves taking gospel tracts and Bibles, you know, and sharing the gospel, and thank God for that. I said, thank God for that. But they would go and do that, and then they would leave. And someone that would get saved would have no resource by which to be taught all these things that I've commanded you. <laughs> Come on, it's the church institution that's to be established so that believers, converts, can then grow and be developed so that they can go and win others to the Lord. Come on, it's, it's, to fulfill the Great Commission, you need the church institution involved. So Paul certainly understood that, and he stood strong for that. Look in verse number, well, verse number 24 here, chapter 1. Who, who now, uh, talk about I, Paul, made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Again, this is this dispensation, we're still in it. It's called the church age. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. <clears throat> the Old Testament prophets did not see the church age. You know why? Because we're plan B. <laughs> you know what plan A was? Plan A was that Israel be what God designed it to be. It was to be the agency by which God would reach the rest of the world. He never developed a nation of Abraham's descendants at the expense of the rest of the world. He's always had the whole world in view. For God so loved the world. Come on, he's always loved the world. He had the whole world in view from day one. But he established Israel so that he could have a separate people that he could discipline and, and, and develop and use them as that instrument, the city set upon a hill. Come on. That would be the instrument to reach the rest of the world. The people would say, I want the same God that Israel has, Jehovah God. And there's all kinds of typology or examples of that throughout the Old Testament. Rahab, <laughs> there in Jericho, we've heard about the God of, of Israel. I want to be a follower of that God. And that's what God intended. Come on, that they would have that influence. 
But you know the story how Lord Jesus said the same. Who of the prophets have you not slain? I mean, they rejected God's program and plan. They refused to be used by him. There were high points, and, but there were a lot of low points. And as a rule, finally it came to the point where God said enough. He told Jeremiah, there's no remedy. I fear America's teetering there. Because when God says it's over, it's over. If God doesn't keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Come on, fellow you, you veterans. I'm thankful you're on guard and you're on, you know, standing, up, standing up. But if God says it's over, I don't care how many nuclear weapons we have. I don't care how many great soldiers we have. When God says it's over, it's over. I fear for that. I'm glad he's long-suffering. Yes, he is. And he's merciful. His mercy endureth forever. Somebody say amen. Anyway, for Israel... He said, no remedy. Babylon, Chaldeans are coming. <laughs> Talking to the preacher yesterday or so, I said, I kind of feel like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, you know. He knew what Judah had been. He knew what it could be. And he knew what it was. He's crying all the time. I know what America has been. We have a goodly heritage. I know what it could be, and I know what it is. Yeah. Crying all the time. (laughs) So God set Israel aside. I think I said it last night or night before he divorced them, but it's not used like we practice it today. He's not done with them. He's set them aside, and he's opened the church age, and he's instituted this thing called the church that he's now going to use during this parenthetical time. We don't know when it ends. I said we don't know when it ends. No man knows the day nor the hour. When the rapture takes place, God turns back to Israel again. And, uh, well, that's another message, but the point is this. Come on. He has established us <laughs> and primarily a Gentile institution to carry out the Father's business in this dispensation. Israel failed in their time. God help us not to fail. It's on us. <laughs> and so the Apostle Paul, when he writes there to Corinth, he said, besides those things without, I really don't care. I've gone through all that. I'm happy to suffer for the Lord. It's a privilege in one sense. Not a picnic, but a privilege. But he said, that's one thing. But I'll tell you what, the burden I carry all the time is on the inside. I care for the churches. I care that they continue and that they be faithful and they fulfill their place and responsibility. Let me say for the record, you ought to thank God for Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. I mean in more ways than one. You got a good church here. I'm traveling about now. You know, I have some experiences with different ones. You got a good church. You got a great spirit. It's infectious. It's easy to preach here. That's why I go so long. (laughs) No, it's a blessing. You you got a good church. You ought to thank God for it. Don't take it for granted. 
You know, and the Apostle Paul, I think, had the same, same sense when he'd write to these churches as he describes here to Colossians. I'm thank God for you. I pray for you regularly. I'm thankful for your influence and your testimony. Don't stop. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> all those great churches of the New Testament, where are they today? Kind of an interesting study, Jerusalem, after Acts 15, really you don't hear much about Jerusalem. And I think one of the reasons was some of the things Paul stood for and kind of stood against what was going on in Jerusalem. Those Judaizers were really having a heyday there and really moving in there. Judaizers mixed law with grace. And there's some of those Gentile churches then kind of began to rise up. Antioch, of course, sent out the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. And the church, I think, that really came to the forefront was that church in Ephesus. Wow, powerful church. Remember the story when Paul's, God kind of gives him a permission. He's had a burden in his heart all along that he could preach the gospel to his people so he's going back to Jerusalem and he stops there. Miletus sends word to the church at Ephesus some 40 miles or so north. And those preachers come down. You know the account there. And it's a pretty precious account, you know, how they're hugging on one another. And they wept, particularly burdened or, or moved by the fact that Paul said, you'll probably not see my face anymore. Because he said, the Lord's kind of testifying to me. <laughs> what awaits me in Jerusalem, you're probably not going to see me again. He had a deep abiding relationship with that church. Man, how he thanked God for Ephesus. One of the great epistles that we have in the New Testament. Thank God for Ephesus. But where is Ephesus today? Could Ephesus still be here today? Come on. Could it still be faithful? Yeah, it could. All the great churches. I just read 34 names. <laughs> there were probably more than that, but where are they today? I'll go you one better. I was raised in Baptist churches. I've been a member since I moved in, my family moved into the Independent Baptist Movement. I've been a member of four churches. The fourth one being the one I'm still a member of, and God helped me to used me to plant the church there in Bellevue, Nebraska. The other three, I'm talking about foundational, instrumental in developing me for who I am. I can't go back to any of the three of them today. Yeah. That's an understatement. What a shame, yeah. You have a good church here. Don't take it for granted. You have a good pastor. Don't take him for granted or his family. Come on. We're talking about, are you with me here tonight? We're talking about the most important business on the face of the earth here. Don't let it die. Don't let it get corrupted. Don't let it get, we talked about last night, getting off track, sidetracked. Come on, keep focused on who you are and why you are and stay there for God's grace and for his goodness and for his, for his testimony. Come on, be faithful. Yeah. 
the burden, he said, beside those things without, which cometh on me daily, the care of all the churches. And he had basically <clears throat> what I would say are, are two basic concerns. One would be for the, for the clarity, for the propagation, and for the preservation of the gospel, which I'll come to here in a minute. Primary purpose for which Jesus established the church is to win the lost. Okay. And so there needs to be a clear presentation of the gospel. <clears throat> I was talking last night about uh, Demas hath forsaken me. I was talking about folks that quit and, you know, whatever happens and they're no longer serving the Lord. I was going to use an illustration. My uh, first experience was that with that was in the first church that my family moved into in the Independent Baptist Movement. And I was a teenager, about 14. And my brother, who's three years, three and a half years younger than I, his Sunday school teacher was a deacon. And uh, taught him, and he loved his Sunday school teacher. And I, I remember everybody loved him. He, his family, very involved. And I don't remember all the details. I was young. I'm sure I didn't hear all the details. But one of the criticisms that he gave for which his family was leaving was that the pastor, pretty much all he preached was the gospel. You ever heard such a thing? You've been around very long at all, you will hear such things. I need to grow. I need to hear something more than just the gospel. Well, I'll tell you this. <clears throat> if we're responsible in our place and we've got a vision for our lost family and friends and we do our best to get them to church, I'll tell you what you want the preacher to be preaching on. You won't tire at all of hearing the gospel. You'll thank God you can come here and hear the gospel. You know what Paul said? I purpose to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You heard the gospel, Paul? All he does is preach the gospel. Yeah, we need to hear the gospel. I said, I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy, man. I love steak. <laughs> But you know what I love with my sirloin or my T-bone? You know what I love? I love to have a good, tall, cold glass of milk. I never tire of milk. I could live on milk. In the same sense, come on. The milk of the gospel, I understand, is very elementary. It's, it's some of the basic things of knowing you're saved. But you ought to know you're saved. And I love hearing the gospel because I know I'm saved. <laughs> And I love to know when I can bring someone to church. I, I, I don't come and say, man, I, I hope the preacher preaches on eschatology today. <laughs> I want him to preach the gospel. I want it as simple as he can make it so that they'll understand their need of it. Come on. I never tire of the gospel. Who in their right mind could tire of the gospel? Yeah. <clears throat> Concern Paul had was that those churches clearly propagate and preserve the gospel message. And then he's concerned, of course, for the purity, the purpose, and the operation of the church. That what we do, we do scripturally. Well, this is a Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church. And Paul was concerned for that too. So I would say kind of these two things. You'd sum it up. The message and the ministry. Those were the two big concerns he had as he had to care for all these churches. 
And here in this letter, he, he kind of speaks in more detail to the things that, that he's concerned for in, the, in that regard. First one would be the will of God for the church. Come on, pastor's the leader here, but he's not the head. Jesus Christ is the head. And what's to be determined by what this church does and how this church does is, is to come from the captain of our salvation and the Lord of the church. Okay. And then he is the man that God has assigned as the under-shepherd next in, come on, next in authority. We're going to go into some of that thing, things here tonight. God is a God of structure and God is a God of authority. And he's put the pastor in a place of authority. And he's to be the leader, physically speaking. Okay. And it's kind of like I appreciate what, what those Jews, when they, after they came uh, through the wilderness journey 40 years and those couple generations died off. And a high point in Israel's history, by the way. They're on the banks of the River Jordan. They're ready to go in. And uh, <clears throat> they say to Joshua, we're going to follow you. You better make sure you're following God. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Brother Brooks, we're going to follow you. You better make sure you're following God. Yeah. So you need to pray for your pastor. Come on. Thank God for him. Don't take him for granted. Pray God will keep him close to himself. Yeah. For your good and for his glory. Yeah, amen. So again, for the will of the church, the will of God in the church. Look what he says in verse number nine. He says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you know what God wills for Liberty Baptist Tabernacle? Do you know what he wills, what he wants? There's kind of a, a summation you could say in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. <laughs> you know what he wants from his churches? He kind of speaks to it there. He, he applauds and he encourages things that he sees in them that are good. And then he says, nevertheless, for some of them, I have somewhat against thee because I, I don't like this. You know, this is not my will to be the case. So he kind of gives a summation in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, of what he wants. But he also speaks to it here uh, through the pen of the Apostle Paul, using Colossae as an example of what his will for, for his churches are. First one is he wants them to walk worthy. Be worthy of the name Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. Be worthy when you say it's a Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church. Make sure it is. Walk accordingly, okay? Walk worthy. Look at what he says in verse number 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Unto all pleasing. Pleasing who? Pleasing the Lord first and foremost, yeah. In Acts chapter 11, it says Christians, uh, believers were called Christians first at Antioch. Christian wasn't a name that they chose. Okay, today we're going to have a business meeting in our church. We're going to pick a name <laughs> we'd kind of like to be known as. No, it didn't happen that way. It was a, a scoffing term thrown at them. These are a bunch of little Christs. And they said, you know, that ain't so bad. <laughs> I think we might like that. We'll take that name because that's what we're supposed to be. Come on. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When people see us, that's the problem. They don't need to see us. They need to see Christ in us. And we're supposed to be Christians, followers of Christ, little Christ. Come on. Products of Christ. That's who we're supposed to be. Yeah. 
And so that's walking worthy. Come on, if you're a Christian, live up to the name. I wasn't too old. I don't remember how old I was, but I do remember my dad taking me aside. He said, now, son, your name is Lydic. Don't drag the name through the dirt. <laughs> well, well, no, I, won't, I wasn't planning to do that. <laughs> but it's kind of a wake-up call. Come on, don't embarrass who you're supposed to reflect well on. So again, walking worthy. And then being fruitful, look what he says again in verse number 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, being fruitful. God has a right, the Lord Jesus has a right to expect some return on the investment he's made in our lives. How much did it cost him? (laughs) We just heard the song, he poured it out, all of it. He held back nothing. He has a right to expect some fruit bearing. Come on, some return. And it's not just, I know we always think about fruit bearing as soul winning, and that's a part of it, but that's not all of it. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 2, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I've had the joy of, being in Israel twice. Back the first time I went, uh, 2001, uh, February of 2001, and I tell you what, I fell in love with the place. <laughs> I told the Lord when I came back, I said, Lord, if you want me to go there, I'll go there. I mean, I'm in it. <laughs> I've had a chance to go back. I, I love the place. We're all going to get to go back there during the millennium. We'll go all the time. We'll go over there, you know. But to see, what's that song that said, I walked today where Jesus walked? It's pretty incredible to go places where Lord Jesus was. To go places, talk about the Apostle Paul, went to Caesarea. They found the, some years ago, they uncovered the, the Colosseum there where he stood before Agrippa. And uh, you can stand on the very pavement where he stood before. I'm telling you, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Yeah. But anyway, I was there, and you know, you know a little about the geography. Of course, the Jordan River runs north to south, and it dumps into what's called the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, familiar with that? You know why it's called the Dead Sea? <laughs> well, duh. It's dead. So many, you know, elements and minerals and all that. Salty and float in it. It's so so full of salt and elements and stuff. Nothing can live in it. It's dead. It's dead also in that tributaries come into it. Of course, the Jordan River being the primary tributary. A lot of things come into it. Nothing goes out. Dies there. God forbid that we be a physical reflection of that. Come on, God has invested a lot of blessings come into our lives. Oh boy, we're a blessed people. To whom much is given, much is required. God expects a return. Don't don't let all the blessings, don't let it come into you and it dies there. Don't be a dead sea Christian. Come on. We're to be fruitful, okay? And then he expects 
The will of God for the church is increasing in knowledge. Look at verse number 10 again. Uh, <clears throat> Worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Skip over to chapter 3. Look at verse number 16. 316. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Hadn't the music been a wonderful thing this week? Thank you, Brother Nathan, and others that have contributed. It's a blessing for the song leading. I mean, it's invigorating. I was telling him last night, I, I love to see you leading the songs. It makes me want to sing. <laughs> it does. Amen. Amen. And I'm thankful for the songs that we sing. Amen. Have some substance to them. Amen. You heard a thing about the 7-Eleven songs, you know? Seven words, you sing 11 verses, you know, it's the same thing. And it's pablum, is nothing. One of my favorite quotes is John W. Peterson, <clears throat> great songwriter. Had the privilege to know him, meet him and know him some. He said this, he said, contemporary music, contemporary Christian music is primarily, they get the, the melody first because they want some catchy tune and so they work on a melody first. Then they try to fit words into it. He said, scripturally, that's backwards. Most important is the message. You get the words first. And then you ask God to give you some music to enhance the words. Because the message you want is the words of the song. And thank God for some of the songs we've heard this week. I say this not to flatter the people involved in the music, but, but I say it sincerely. The music is preparatory for the heart and mind to receive the message. It, it's, it's, it's a one-two punch, and you need the one for the two to be really inf- effective. You know, it prepares the heart. And, and, and Paul makes mention of that. Come on. Thank God for good, godly music, and there ought to be good, godly music in the churches. God wants it to be that which, which encourages, well, again, the very, the very terminology there, okay? Admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Admonishing, encouraging Challenging, yeah, amen, they're, they're all of that and more. I've said many times, I think I said it last night, you can get done with the music and you can say, you know, I don't even need to preach. And that's when I say, don't say amen because I'm going to. But, but it's been so powerful. Come on, I mean, people moved by song, amen. Increasing in knowledge, what God expects and wants for the churches, this is a schoolhouse. This is where you're learning and you're growing and again, I say you need the institution of the church for that to take place. That's the second part of the, of the Great Commission. Yeah. And then strengthen with all might. Look at verse number 11. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. <laughs> we say it when we, we meet together. <clears throat> Lord, we want you here. We pray. God, we, we want you to be active. We want you to know that we're recognizing you're here. We're two or three are gathered. Come on, he's here. And we want to recognize he's here. And we want to know him to know that we know he's here and that we want him here, but not just sitting in the back row. You know, we want him actively involved, walking the aisles. Come on. Yeah. Want his power at work here. Yeah. Without him, we can do nothing. And so we need to be strengthened, in, again, by all godly might that we can, that gets, we get it from the Holy Spirit himself. Okay. And then grateful and thankful, look at verse number 12. Giving thanks 
and the Father, which hath made us to meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. I go back again to that thing of the gratitude attitude. Thankful for this church. Thankful for your salvation. Thankful for your godly friends. Your good family. Come on, you can go down the list. Count your blessings. Somebody ought to write a song about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Being thankful, having a thankful heart. Not taking for granted God's goodness and God's blessing. So again, the will of God for the church. And then the preeminent person of the church. We're going to move along here, but look at verse number 16. For by him, him who? (laughs) Talking about the Lord Jesus. Him, were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the, what? Preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Come on, what goes on here is all about him. Amen. Whatever happens, it's for the good, and we're blessed by it, to God be the glory. Over the 40 years I've been in the ministry, you know, I, I've had people flatter me and say, you know, Pastor, I've got to tell you, that message really spoke to my heart. And I could say, eh, well, it's pretty good. <laughs> have to agree. <laughs> no, God forbid. I always want to hasten to say, well, to God be the glory. I'm somewhat new around here. I've been here before a couple times, but you don't know me well. I do. (laughs) God does. But he uses me to God be the glory. Don't get too smug that he uses you to God be the glory. None of us worthy. Worthy the lamb. Yeah, worthy the lamb. So again, the preeminent person in the church, God intends. John, Jesus said this in John 12. If, if, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw him in unto me. We need to exalt him. We need to make him, as Paul said, the preeminent one in what goes on around here. Yeah. Howbeit when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Holy Spirit's a silent in the background player in the Trinity. He doesn't speak of himself. He exalts the Son of God. Well, again, he guides us into all truth, and we're supposed to do the same. It's all about the Lord Jesus. Amen. It's all about him, the preeminent person of the church. And then the specific ministry of the church. I, I hope I wouldn't have to even show you this, but look in verse number 21 of chapter 1. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through, through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Skip over to chapter 3, verse number 1. 
If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Come on, the primary ministry, the specific ministry of this church is to win the lost. Are you thankful you're saved? Then we're debtors. We're debtors to those who have got the gospel to us, but we're debtors to to those who've yet to hear it. Paul said the same of his ministry. He was a debtor. And he purposed, therefore, that the gospel would be preached everywhere he went. I said, again, he chained to somebody in the prison. You better, I know what he's talking about. You know, like, oh, woe is me. I was doing, trying to do God's work. And here I, no, he's, he's witnessing to him. He, he won. I wonder how many of those Roman soldiers he won. I mean, there was the account, the account there in Philippi. <laughs> woe is me. No, they're singing, praising God, you know, in the, in the jail. And then, of course, when the earthquake comes, the thing gets busted open, all those prisoners, they're going to run for their lives. Naturally, they would. But something supernatural had already taken place in their lives. Jailer's going to take his life. I said, whoa, 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 no, we're all here. Jailer said, say what? (laughs) We're all here. Say what? (laughs) What must I do to be saved? Yeah, Because I think all those people in the jail got saved as Paul was preaching in the jail. Specific ministry. Come on. What Liberty Baptist Tabernacle ought to be known for. Tell you what, you go over there, you're going to hear the gospel. Tell you what, you're going to go over there, you're going to meet some people whose lives have been transformed. Because God's in that kind of business. And that is his business. So therefore, it's our business. It's the specific ministry of the church. Paul said this to the church at Corinth, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Are you reconciled? Amen. Know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Amen. Then you have a responsibility to see that others get reconciled to. Right. He's now given to us that same ministry. <clears throat> as he said, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. So again, the specific ministry. Then the definite identity of the church. Look at back in chapter 1 again, verse number 24. Verse number 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. I'm just going to say this in passing because I know this church knows this, but I'll say it for the record. There is no such thing as a universal church. I've said tongue-in-cheek, I said, if you believe in the universal church, well, when you go into the hospital and you want somebody to come pray for you, you call your universal pastor. (laughs) Yeah. No, the church is local, visible, come on, an assembly. It assembles. We use terminology sometimes which is redundant. We'll say something about the local church. There ain't any other kind. 
It's redundant. The local church, there ain't any other kind. <laughs> I am in a local church. <laughs> Come on, this is an assembly. It assembles. Oh, my word. I t- <laughs> when, <clears throat> when the Reformation took place and all those groups, Protestants, this is not a Protestant church. This is a Baptist church. When the Protestants came out of the Catholic Church, there were already Baptists. They didn't come out. They never were in. Yeah. But when those Protestants came out, they drug a lot of Catholicism with them. And one of them is that universal church doctrine. That's what Catholic, small c, means. Universal. The Catholic Church is the universal church. <laughs> there ain't no such thing. Come on. It's always been local and visible. It's always been in a local assembly. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. He's talking to them about their conditions. What he appreciated about them, not us. He didn't use us. <laughs> He's talking about them. We thank God for you. Okay, it's always that. Okay. So again, not staying there. We all know that. Amen. Okay, all right. <laughs> so the definite identity of the church. And then the parenthetical place of the church. Look at verse number 25 in chapter 1. Whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations but now is made manifest to the saints. I said a bit ago, the prophets, I saw, I saw an illustration of this one time. It was really good. Showed these old, you know, what you envisioned, the prophets, big beards, and they're looking ahead into the future. And they would see these mountaintops on the mountaintops would be, for example, the birth of Christ and the crucifixion of Christ and the uh, resurrection of Christ. These are the mountaintops. You with me? And, uh, and they would see, you know, the millennial reign of Christ. These are all mountaintops. But in the valley were events, valleys were rela- events related to the church age. They couldn't see them because all they could see were the mountaintops. They were in the valley, couldn't see them. Mystery. It's a mystery to them. We're living in the time of the mystery. The church age is a mystery because it wasn't seen. I say again, those, those first apostles in the first, you know, in, in the first century, Peter and James and those, they, they struggled. They, they stumbled at the truth of it. They didn't understand the church age was for everybody. God's going to use the Gentiles. Amen. Amen. Amazing, incredible. It's a mystery. (laughs) We're mysterious. (laughs) But no, but now God's revealing the truth and the details about it. We're not supposed to be in the dark. God has made known to us and explained this mystery age in which we live. So again, a parenthetical place. I said a moment ago, we don't know when it ends. We know what ends it. We don't know when that is. What ends it? <laughs> We're out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't play the trumpet. Anyway. <laughs> I, got, I know it's late. It's Friday night. <laughs> I got to give you an illustration. This is years ago. I was in Houston, Texas, and uh, his name, the evangelist, you got saved. 
Oh, yeah, Al Lacey. I have a mental block on his name. We would have him come about every year, evangelist Al Lacey. How many of you know the name, know, know about him? Yeah. Quite a guy. He's quite a storyteller. He wrote a lot of books. And, uh, but anyway, when he was an evangelist, he was a good storyteller when he preached. And he's preaching this message about the rapture when it was going to take place. And, all, and he's going through all the eschatology of things leading up to it, you know, and he'd stop and preach on different things, you know, regathering of Israel and this and that. But, but in the midst of this, every, every time he'd speak of some event, he'd say in heaven, then Gabriel would come up to the Lord and he'd say, is it today? You know, he'd have his trumpet there. He's shining it up. It's today, right, Lord? He'd say, no, no, Gideon, or, or Gabriel, it's not, not today, not today. So he'd leave. So then he'd go on, he'd talk about another event, and then <clears throat> he'd say this event takes place. So Gabriel showed, it's today, isn't it, Lord? It's, it's, he's ready to blow the trumpet. No, Gabriel, not, not quite yet, not quite yet. <clears throat> well, the church that we were in, Freeway Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, they'd build a new building, and it was kind of a pie-shaped auditorium. They had, an, they had a balcony up above, but they didn't use the balcony. They hadn't grown to that point yet. <clears throat> He placed a guy up there with a trumpet. <laughs> you couldn't see him, didn't know he was up there. So all through this message, no, no, Gabriel, not today. But then he got to the event when it waxes worse and worse, and you know, perilous times and describing some of those events. And Gabriel comes and says, is it today, Lord? He said, it's today, Gabriel, let her go. <laughs> and from the back... You heard this, <laughs> I'm telling you, brother, <laughs> the hair stood up on the back of your neck. <laughs> I mean, it, it, was, it was, whoa, baby. <laughs> and then his statement was this, well, obviously, that wasn't the trumpet. But had it been the trumpet, would you have been ready? Whoa, boy. My wife, we were engaged at the time. She was teaching Sunday school, working on the bus ministry, singing in the choir, working in the nursery, and she struggled. But that day, she said it was kind of like the Lord said, if you don't go this time, I don't know that you're going to go. She came down out of the choir and got saved that day. Well, hey, truth of the matter is we don't know. I've often said, some guy comes on the scene. I figured it out. I got the numerology, and it's going to be blah. You know, that's when you go, you tune the guy right out because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Nobody. I said, nobody. What do you not understand? No one. You know, the Bible's so hard to understand. <laughs> no one knows the day nor the hour. No one, bozo. Nobody knows. <laughs> But it's going to happen. And we can kind of know the seasons. Look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. It's close. I believe it's close. He could come tonight. He could come tonight. Yeah. Okay. But the church age continues until and then we're out of here. And then the Lord turns back to his people who have always been his people. They are still his people. And they will be his people as he designed them to be at that time of the tribulation.
period. <clears throat> so the parenthetical place of the church. And then the particular constitution of the church. Look at chapter 3. We'll close here with this point. <clears throat> the particular constitution of the church. Verse number 18 in chapter 3. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. <laughs> you know, ladies, you couldn't come to a Baptist church and not hear that. <clears throat> As it is fit in the Lord, husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Here again, what God expects. Fathers, provoke not your children into anger. Uh, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Talked about it last night. Remember who you're serving, right? Remember who you're serving. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. The particular constitution of the church. It's made up of people. And it's interesting here, he puts an emphasis on families. Do you know the first institution that was ever established? You do know your Bible, right? The home. And we have, of course, the church and government. Government second, the church. Um, and each institution has its own responsibilities and certainly design. But the other two, the later two institutions, the basis of them is the first institution. In fact, all of society is based upon the strength of the home. Our country's in peril today because our families are a mess today. We got the village. Oh, boy. I mean, it's perverted. The whole concept of what a family is. Well, again, anything God establishes is for our good. Amen. Satan shows up shortly thereafter to corrupt it and pervert it and destroy what God intends it to be. But it's interesting here. The church, come on, our churches are as strong as our families are. Amen. Yeah. So dads, step up. You've heard the little phrase, the chain is as strong as its weakest link. Well, Liberty Baptist Tabernacle is as strong as its weakest family, its weakest member. The particular constitution of the church, come on, the church isn't this building. We kind of use terminology wrongly. We talk, meet me over at the church, you know. And I know what we think and what we mean, but this building ain't the church. The church sitting in the pews right here. It's the people, okay. And for the church to be what God intends it to be, come on, God's people need to be what God intends you to be. And collectively, and your homes need to be in the right order, and dad needs to be the leader, and mom needs to be submitted to the dad, and, and the parents, the adults, or the kids need to obey their parents. Come on, all those things are key for what the church is going to be and accomplish. So God's a God of structure. God's a God of order. God's a God of authority. All those things are involved there. And so the church is a reflection of all those things and its success or its accomplishment or its effectiveness is all rooted in the constitution, the very makeup, the substance, if you will, of what the church is. 
So you want Liberty Baptist Tabernacle to be what it ought to be? The pastor does. <laughs> I'll ask it again. Do you want this church to be what it ought to be? Amen. Then you be what you ought to be. Yes, sir. If you're a member here. Come on. Because it's defined by you. God makes it clear, clear what he wants. Paul was burdened. The care of the churches. I'm concerned for our churches. I'm concerned for churches today. You have a pastor that's concerned for you. Thank God for him. Thank God for what you have here. Keep it going. Continue steadfastly. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the admonition, the instruction, the help. Oh, God, how, how helpful, how needful we are of your truth. So I pray that we would receive it that way tonight. As was prayed, I think, by Brother Holder, not that we just be a hearer of it, but, oh, God, that we truly be doers of the word. Again, for our good and for your glory. Speak to hearts here tonight, have your will and way, and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.